This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Got lots of stories. Over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247Sports.com, I've got my takeaways, my two-minute drill, um, you know, some some other stories from Michigan's win at Nebraska. But we're also starting to do some of the mid-season review stories. There'll be six things we learned. Six six is the theme because they are six and zero, and they have six games remaining. Um, nice even number. Six questions about this team. I still have six bold predictions the rest of the way. But we'll talk a lot about that stuff here in part two of this podcast, part one, looked at the Nebraska game along with the biggest lessons and questions from Michigan's 6-0 and start. In this episode, we'll have a little fun looking at postseason awards, both at Michigan, maybe taking a peek at who might be on the midseason All-Big Ten teams, and maybe a couple players on midseason All-American teams. So uh, we'll have a little fun with that. We'll also look at the rest of the schedule maybe make some predictions and discuss what is a fair expectation for fans to have for Michigan for the rest of the season. Now that we've seen half of the season get played. So first let's do the team awards. We'll do MVP on both sides of the ball. uh, Most improved both sides of the ball. Freshman of the year for both sides of the ball. Uh, And then if any other ones come to me, we'll do that one. But the MVP, I think on defense, it's obvious. Aiden Hutchinson, I, I can't imagine we need to spend too much additional time discussing it. We did talk about him last episode. 30 quarterback pressures, uh, just a truly elite pass rusher, who's also pretty good against the run, too. I think he's in the top 10 nationally still in sacks with five and a half. So he's been he's been great. He's looked like a first-round pick. He's looked like an potential All-American defensive end quietly a tough position to be All-American in just because someone at some school that maybe isn't as a top you may not even a top 25 school could have like 20 sacks or or you know 15 plus sacks and suddenly team people have to pick them so don't know if he'll officially make the first team but so far he's playing like one of the best players in the country I think Steve would agree but on the offensive side of the ball, it is a little bit more interesting. Steve, I, I don't know if you have a name that immediately jumps out to you, but but who has been the offensive MVP this season? I think there are, well, a couple of them play the exact same position. So it's just a matter of what, what you, metrics you're valuing. But who is the offensive MVP this season for the Wolverines? Uh, I'm going to go with Haskins. I, I just think he adds, he gives Michigan something that, most teams in college football don't have. And it goes back to the preseason. Some of the stats I remember you rattled off about positive yardage. He's just, he's, his reliability has been so high 
you know, and I, I just, I just feel like it's, that's so bad. Like something as subtle as second and six versus second and nine, you know, on a consistent basis is so valuable for not just Michigan, but any, any football team at any level. And he's, he's given Michigan that so often in, in the, their bigger games so far this year that I just, I just think he adds, I mean, and he's also run for a lot of yards on his own. It's not, he's not just giving them those four yard carries, but I I just think the value he adds in that aspect is, is really been one of the things that's helped give Michigan's passing game uh, so many opportunities. So I'm going with Hassan Haskins. I just think I just, there aren't many guys like him in college football. And uh, I think Michigan uh, thankful, obviously to have a guy like that in their backfield. Yeah. I think, the the um, intangible value of Haskins is is really high. I think I could see him if Michigan did a vote. I could see him winning the vote on the offensive side of the ball with with uh, kind of by a, a decent margin. For the sake of argument, I'm going to go with Blake Corum, who has more than a hundred more rushing yards, more than one point four more yards per attempt, the same amount of touchdowns. According to Pro Football Focus, he has broken 14 more tackles. He is averaging 0.9 more yards after contact. He has two more carries of 10 yards or more. And he's been pretty elite in the receiving game as well. He's actually uh, on Michigan's team, tied for the team lead with Cornelius Johnson with the most receptions, has 102 receiving yards and another touchdown. So, he has been what Michigan fans have been looking for for so long. Now, he's still got the whole season to play before we know exactly what kind of value he's had. But, man, Michigan's last star, and I mean real star, running back. Prop, I mean, he's probably the first since Mike Hart, really. I mean, I guess, you know, Denard Robinson was a star at running the football, but I count him as a star quarterback more than a star running back. But he's on pace for um, more than 1,500 all-purpose yards this year. Might be on pace for more than 2,000 all-purpose yards if you count kickoff returns. But in terms of yards from scrimmage, he's on pace for more than 1,400. He's on pace for – I mean, he, he'll flirt with 20, 20 touchdowns if he continues the pace that he's on. Explosive playmaker. Pretty much every time he touches the ball, there's, a, there's at least a, a small chance that he breaks it off for 50 yards and a touchdown. So I'm with you. I, if I were assembling a college football team, I, I'd think pretty hard about Haskins just because of what he can bring to you on a, on a consistent basis. But Blake Corum's playmaking threat, his offensive ability. I mean, this is, we, we talked last episode, hard to be a playoff contending team, New Year's 16, without really stellar quarterback play. I think the one exception is if you have a truly stellar running back that teams can't quite pin down, then you can then you can go pretty far too. I think about Penn State with Saquon Barkley, Wisconsin with Jonathan Taylor. Neither of those players played in the playoffs, but they were in contention to for much of their their careers. You know, Georgia's had some some so-so quarterback play with really good running back play as well. I think Ohio State quietly has had really good running back play. Zeke Elliott, I guess not that quietly. They were both first round picks. But Zeke Elliott, 
J.K. Dobbins, you know, they've they've been able to benefit from having star running backs, Alabama, Clemson with ETN and Najee Harris. Michigan, you know, there's still questions about the quarterback and the rest of the team. I think they've got a, a quasi-star right now who can who is just a couple, you know, little vision adjustments or scheme adjustments, uh, patience, kind of waiting for a play to develop. I mean, he is right there on the cusp of, of genuine stardom. And he's, he's looked pretty good in every game he's played, too. That's something significant as well. So to me, yeah, it's kind of crazy that, you know, the, the, the first and second, I mean, they're 1A, 1B, but, you know, two running backs are the two kind of runaway candidates to be MVPs for Michigan's offense this season. I just think Haskins is a tone setter. Yeah, you know, I, think I Michigan, like that. That's a good phrase. Right. Michigan has has been saying since the offseason that they were going to play physical up front and they were going to run the football. I just think Haskins is the guy that really sets that up for them. I mean, it, it, obviously he does. That's his M.O. You know, and I just – how many runs that we've seen from him that were one-yard runs that turned into four- and five-yard runs? There's just so much value there, and I, I do think – you wonder, I maybe it might be a question to ask somebody at some point if if his style of running the football and just the way he plays maybe rubs off on on some of his teammates because he does. Yeah. He plays with reckless abandon in between the tackles, uh, while also still being an elite like athlete, period, you know, and uh just a, a really fun player for fans to watch. But like I said, I go back to the idea that I I think he just kind of sets the table for Michigan offensively. And and Corum is unique also and and has lived up to the expect lived up to any hype, I guess that there was about him. I just think Haskins is maybe the guy that opens everything up for everybody else because of his ability to just go in between the tackles and gain three or four yards, if not more, you know, and I, I just think you, cause you always, I mean, you have to account for both these guys, but having to account for a guy that is just going to bulldoze through the middle of the line, I think just makes everything a little bit easier for everybody else. Yeah. I think here's a stat that, that kind of speaks to that tone setting that you discuss. Hassan Haskins has 37 touch or first downs, (laughs) touchdowns, 37 first downs on 101 carries. That's 11 more or nine more, excuse me, than Blake Corum has. I mean, he is someone that Michigan, when they need the yards, and not just like in the, I know that's kind of the cliche about what people say about fullbacks or slow, big running backs, but he is someone that can help them move the chains in games that I think in the past they haven't necessarily been able to move the chains in. And, and, they've, and that's allowed teams to get back in. I think about Rutgers and Nebraska games, uh, maybe, I guess not. Not so much the Rutgers game. They did struggle to move the chains there. But Nebraska, Michigan loses that game if they don't have that methodical. Now, Haskins helped on a field goal drive as well with the 50-yard run. But they had a methodical couple of drives that they ate up clock, that they didn't have to take a big risky play. They just hung on to the football, moved the ball downfield, and scored. And I think Corum's been pretty good at that too, but I'm with you, I think, I think Haskins can have that that MVP type impact where he is just simply making consistent plays. And I'm looking at the the rushing directions right now. 
Uh, he is averaging right up the middle, 5.8 yards per carry middle left, 4.0 yards per carry middle right, 3.7 right off the guard, 4.7 left off the guard. I mean, these are these are holes that sometimes you know you're only going to get two or three yards, but he's he's consistently breaking tackles, seven broken tackles up the middle of the field, uh, you know, in, in up in the trenches, I should say. And, and yeah, there's really nowhere he's rushing the ball all that isn't working for him. So yeah, he's, he's such a tone setter. You core him. A lot of his broken tackles are, are outside the tackles or down further downfield. Um, he's, he's got good numbers up the middle, but I think really his, his bread and butter is the, he's the lightning, right? <laughs> the, you know, the big, the big plays. Hassan Haskins is the thunder. I asked him if he liked being the thunder and he, he said he loves it. You know, he, he loves, that's his style of rushing the ball. Um, you know, he's, he's happy to do whatever he'll hurdle over a safety if that's what, what's going to help him get more yards. But I think ultimately he is, he is a, such a necessary methodical force for Michigan. So let's look at the freshmen. And I, I think, for the just for the sake of intrigue, I think redshirt freshman could be allowed here uh, for freshman of the year. I think Big Ten does that if it's a redshirt freshman. I don't know if they've changed that with the redshirt rule of true freshmen or people being allowed to redshirt even if they played. But thinking about who didn't make an impact last year as a true freshman or players who are um, true freshmen this year. Who are your freshman MVPs on offense and defense? Offensively, <laughs> does it have to be McCarthy? Uh, I guess if we had redshirt. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think it's right? McCarthy, yeah, no, that's... no, I know, I'm not, I'm not asking for uh, permission. Support. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like kind of wondering out loud. I mean, I, I guess I will. Uh, biggest reason why. Is because I I I think his continued progression is going to help push the ceiling of the quarterback room, regardless of who is the guy out there. If that makes sense, because he's shown in flashes what you could argue he's made the two best throws of any quarterback this season. The, the yeah. wild the wild Drew Henson like throw against um or was that in the season opener against Western? Yep. And then the bomb to Baldwin against Wisconsin were two of the best throws we've seen any Michigan quarterback make in a while if I, that I can think of. So, yeah, that, that could be true. Right? I mean, they're in the it's in the conversation. Not and when I say recently, I mean like last four or five years. So, um, so for that, I think his continued. You know, we talked in the last episode about the biggest question mark or the biggest is like we want to see Michigan's quarterback play needs to make, take another step forward just because the ceiling of this team has been raised. I think McCarthy's progression is, is really what's going to help propel that to the next level, whether he is overtakes McNamara at some point, or if McNamara steps up, takes another step forward on the field and, and becomes even better than what he's been so far. Uh, I think that McCarthy's progression has really maybe kind of propelled that. So I'll go with McCarthy defensively. Tough one. There's a lot of guys in that. Yeah, it's a little bit more open on the defensive side of the ball. I still think Junior Colson just has 
linebacker was a spot where Michigan needed somebody to really kind of step up, not necessarily to start, but depth was such a huge concern at linebacker at the beginning of the year. And while, I mean, he hasn't been perfect, but Colson has shown enough flashes. I think that it's fair to be completely excited about what he's eventually going to be while he's still been an asset right now. So I think, I think because of how important it was for a linebacker to emerge and just his high ceiling, I'm going to go with Colson just looks like a future all big 10 type player at linebacker. He does. He sure does. I know. I know that was something that was discussed in fall camp was the coaches weren't entirely sure what he was going to be this season, but they viewed him as a future All-American caliber linebacker. For me, on offense, you can make the case for McCarthy. I am going to go with the one freshman who plays consistently, and that's that's Zach Zinter. Um, Hasn't quite maybe lived up to the fall camp billing. This is where I think, you know, we've talked about it before. Does Michigan Michigan hurt itself by building – some of these players up in fall camp that that who are, who are good and who will make progress on the field, but might not, but you know, did do fans are fans interpreting it too high or are they, or, or the coaches setting the bar too high. They said he might be the best offensive player on the team. He hasn't been that, but he's been pretty good. Um, you only allowed four quarterback pressures. Hasn't allowed a sack this season. You know, only one quarterback hit the other three were all hurries. So pretty, pretty effective. 98% pass blocking efficiency uh I think he's been pretty solid in the run too you know he's been battling an injury so I don't know it's hard to tell exactly um you know how what how much is of it is you know him battling the injury how much of it is is him struggling just period there's been a couple struggle spots in the run game but it does feel like he has had moments where you can just see Kind of similar to Colson, where you're like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a future all Big Ten player. Whether it might not happen this year, but it happens eventually. So, yeah, offense, there's not too many guys you can go with. I mean, I think the most improved player discussion will be more interesting on, on offense. On defense, I like the Colson pick. Really thought hard about Chris Jenkins and R.J. Moten, but Nikai Hill Green. I think to me has been has been so valuable for for the Wolverines. Just it, he's he's just been effective kind of at everything. You know, there isn't some glaring weakness in his game. He's been solid against the run. I guess coverage. He's having similar things as as um, Josh Ross does, where you know, maybe he's. He's having some issues, but but an expert tackler, I think someone who who's just making a lot of plays, 15 run stops this season. That is second on the team. It trails only Aiden Hutchinson. So I guess the pass rushing is maybe the next spot for him, but he's only he's only been asked to pass rush on 10 snaps. So it's not, not like he's that's not part of his game. He has, he has one pressure so far this season on those 10 snaps, but um, I think Michigan, Steve, you remember, I was not confident in Michigan's linebacking core heading into this season. I find myself more confident and junior Colson's a big part of that. 
but I think Nikai Hill Green is a huge part of that just because of how how reliable he has been, especially against the run and especially as a tackler. Any any freshman we didn't mention who might have might be in the running? Well, Jenkins. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's been pretty darn good against the run too. No, I mean most of the other ones have I think have been it's been more of like flashes, like you know, Rod Moore had a good his his early run that he got, say against Washington. He is their first safety off the bench, by the way. Yeah. So Moten. Yeah. You know, he did get some playing time last year, but um otherwise, no. I mean, they've they've been able to spend a lot of those uh third year, the nineteens and twenties who played last year are a lot of the guys that have really kind of stepped up for the most part, I feel like. Well, on that group, most improved player on either offense, well, I guess offense and defense, but but um, anyone really jump out to you as a, as a true most improved? I think for, for the offense, I think there's a few directions you can go, but, it, but a lot of guys are playing, I guess, for the first time. So it's hard to tell like, how much of it impro- is improvement. Like Corum for, is somebody who like, right, right. technically he improved a lot. I don't think he stunk last year. I just think he was a true freshman in a weird season, but. But anyone jump out to you on the on the most improved list? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Andrew Vistardis. Uh talk about a guy like you know, there's a lot of hand wringing preseason about you know, if Vistardis is the starter at center, then Michigan's offensive line is in trouble. Like Zach Zinner should play center so that Barnhart, one of the four star recruits, can can play that right guard spot. But Vistardis has arguably been Michigan's best offensive lineman this year. I'd say probably he or Stuber uh, have been the two guys that have really been the biggest assets on the most consistent basis. So, I, yeah, I'm going with Vistardis. Again, a team captain, too. You know, this isn't just a guy that got that won that center. I mean, he's one of the leaders of the team, you know. And so for that to be one of your most improved players, I think, is, is a good thing for Michigan. But uh, I'm going to go with Vistardis. He's just been effective all season long and, and, you know, again, a guy that Michigan fans now should be thrilled uh, that he is back to full strength and, and won that starting center job. Yeah. His, his leadership is hysterical. Like, or I guess not his leadership is hysterical, but his game vision is hysterical. I mean, why I, w- I would, I would implore fans to like watch all of the things he does before the snap. I mean, he, he isn't just pointing out one or two guys. He's, he's basically calling out these defensive play calls. And I think there's been a couple times this season where he has known to either hold on to the snap longer or get the snap off sooner to try to get that free play, you know, get a, get a penalty or draw a penalty from the opposing team. Yeah. He's got, he's got that, you know, they talk about like the point guard court vision. He's got the center field vision. He, He really has helped Michigan a lot in that regard. My, my most improved player on offense going to go with the other Andrew on the offensive line, Andrew Stuber. I think his improvement in the run blocking, he he's been a good pass protector for a couple of years. He was uh, really good last year, but, but his, his run blocking has improved a ton. His PFF grade for blocking this season, it was 68.6 last year. That's like, Eh, starter level at least the big 10 but this year he's at 76.4 that starts to tell the line of you know second team all big 10 
so yeah, he's to me, he's made a lot of big progress and, and kind of handling that tackle job really just being effective against a lot of edge defenders, a lot of players who are trying to make really big impacts. Uh, And I think the big thing for him that I think the rest of the offensive line is still kind of, it seems like they've got guys who are really consistent in run blocking, but, but struggle. And I'd say Vistardis is one of them. He struggled with pass protection a little bit this season, or they've got guys who are really good pass protectors, but aren't quite getting exactly what Michigan was hoping for in the run game. Stuber is a, kind of a steadying force providing both. So I think he's been, you know, he was, he was a starter last year. I think he was well-regarded last season, but I think he's, he's someone that has cranked it up from, Hey, he's a starter to, Oh yeah. He's not just a starter. He might be landing on some all big 10 teams by the end of the season. Defensive side of the ball, a lot of improvements you could, you could point to. I am going to go with, Mozzie Smith. I think he's someone, you know, if I look back, I mean, there were some players I expected to be good or expected to step up. You know, I assumed Aiden Hudson and Josh Ross would be better this year. Felt like Daxton Hill and Brad Hawkins would be better. The cornerbacks, you know, a lot of returning starters, but Mozzie Smith was someone, I don't think we knew he was going to start. You know, I don't think we knew that he was going to be a good player for Michigan entering this season and he's been very good he's been someone that's really helped kind of solidify that front seven something we talked a lot about in in part one of this of this podcast uh you know among the starter caliber players he has been the number three graded player by pro football focus behind Aiden Hutchinson and Brad Hawkins so I think he's been really effective Good quarterback pressure, maybe could be better. Eight quarterback pressures on uh, 93 pass rushing snaps. I, you know, there's room to improve there, but that's that's all right for a, a defensive tackle. You know, good against the run, and and I don't believe he, he has one missed tackle this season, but that's that's a pretty good clip as well. And he's just been he does kind of the Aiden Hutchinson thing where he can impact a play without necessarily making the box score stats. So. Um, of all the players who I was like, uh, maybe they'll make a leap here, but we don't know. Smith has been the one that I expected the least about, but have seen been the most impressed by as a result. Steve, who is your most improved player on the defensive side of the ball? Is picking Ojabo a cop out? Well, I, no, I mean, I, right. I mean, I, cause I, I think it, if, if it's not Mozzie Smith, I think it has to be yeah. Ojabo just because again, Kind of similar, not similar in that. I think we knew Ojabo would would probably start and would play a ton this season. You know, with Smith, I think there were a couple more question marks about does it come to fruition on the field. With Ojabo, I think for me, it's more about, we talked a little bit about this last episode, the, just the level of improvement that we've seen from him. He's one of the best pass rushers in the country right now, statistically, right? I mean, he's he's up there. He, I don't know if he's, one of the best he's in the top tier he's in the top 25 top 30 so I, that, that's to me that's one of the best in the country isn't it? well i, mean, I think I one of the best is like the... aiden hutchinson is like well, top five yeah right? that he's would be one top of the five best. okay he'd be the t- he'd be the best pass rusher on... he's in the top three dozen okay <laughs> either way I, my point no so. he's been he's been very good he 
you know, let's let's stick to the Big Ten. Is he a second or third team All Big Ten player? Well, I think there. he's in the running for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a better way to put it. So that's a monumental leap, really. I mean, and and what's what's been fun to watch about him is like you. It's every week it's been better. Like it hasn't been. He didn't have a big game like in the second week that his, you know, that he's not statistically living off of like a big game he had against uh, a non-conference, like a poop non-conference team. Like he's been playing really well. Like the last three weeks have been his best stretch of games so far this season, I would argue. He was huge against Rutgers. He was awesome against Wisconsin. He was really good again against Nebraska. So not only is he, has he gotten better, but he's continuing to get better every week. So Got to yep. be David Ajabo, uh, you know, and, and again, really one of those guys that if if Michigan could have handpicked like three or four guys, I think to, that they would have wanted absolutely to break out this season, he would have been one of them. So, and, and he's done it. So, you know, can't say enough about how much of an asset he's going to be for Michigan uh, as the schedule continues to get more difficult. Yeah, no, I like that pick too. Um I think he and he and Ajabo have, or he and Smith, I should say, have really raised the ceiling of what Michigan's defense can accomplish this year, and and that's what Michigan was hoping for. They were kind of crossing their fingers on that. One improved player, I think, who deserves a, a shout out. I don't think I'd take him over either of these two, but Vincent Gray has really cleaned up some of his coverage issues. If I can cite PFF's numbers one more time, they last year they gave him a coverage grade of 58.7 which is without I guess being blunt that's a probably should be sitting on the bench grade you know probably shouldn't be starting certainly not at the power five level but but maybe not period this year he has a 73.4 and that's that's good starter I mean that's like maybe third team of all big ten or honorable mention all big ten and so I think he's been pretty effective Still has a lot of season left to play, but if you're thinking about midseason, okay, who has been better than than maybe expected? I think Vincent Gray has done that. And also, I will shout out, I know we did offensive defense. How about Jake Moody? I think Michigan's coaches, the way they talk about him, you'd think that he has always been super good. He did lose his starting job in both 2019 and 2020 due to missed field goals. It has not been a it has not been smooth sailing for his entire career. But right now he leads the Big Ten with 12 made field goals on 13 attempts. And a decent amount of them have been under 40 yards, but he has three of 47 yards or more. I mean, he's shown the big leg as well as the consistent kicking ability. So I think that's, I mean, against Nebraska, it was big. If they miss a field goal, that game's going into overtime on the road. So I think he's quietly... Yeah, I think, I think like, you know, talking to coaches, they, they would be like, well, he hasn't improved. He's always been this good. No, he has now. I mean, he did lose his job last season. Uh, I think he was one for four on field goals last fall. And then he also lost it in 2019. But even this year, when there isn't necessarily a backup ready to take his spot, like Quinn Nordine, Moody has been lights out and has has really helped them. I think the Rutgers game, might have been another game where, you know, if he's missing field goal, suddenly that game gets a little bit more interesting. All right, we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about 
any players we think could be first team all Big Ten at, at the midseason mark, along with our predictions for the rest of the season. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, we've talked about a couple players that are probably definitely on the first team All Big Ten consideration list. Aiden Hutchinson, it's got to be a lock. I think Daxton Hill probably is in that in that conversation. I think um, you know Jake Moody and Brad Robbins. The Big Ten has a lot of great specialists, but I think both of them end up in the consideration just because they're like top 10-ish in the country at their position. I'm going to throw a couple other names at you, though, and tell me if you think these are players that should be in the mix for first-team All-Big Ten. Brad Hawkins, Josh Ross, Hassan Haskins, and Blake Corum. Are any of those players kind of knowing that they're, you know, knowing what the other teams have do any of those players would they make your first team all big 10 midseason list i like hawkins yeah i think that's kind of a quietly he's been really good actually right um ross we'll see the running backs it's tough Kenneth Walker's got to be a first-team Big Ten. Feels like Travion back. Henderson right. uh, that's, probably should was, be as well. I was going to say, Walker and Henderson, if I had, honestly, if I had to pick right now, those would be the two guys I'd probably have. You know, with with Haskins and Corum almost negating each other a little bit, uh, you got to think if one of those guys wasn't on the roster, the, others one, the other one's statistics would be even better than they already are. You know, maybe not the... I think they've oh, helped I fully each, agree. You know yeah, what I mean? Like they've they've helped each other, but they're also and it, when it comes to stuff like this, uh, you know, it might it could be a little bit of a detriment. So yeah, because you, you can't you cannot keep Kenneth Walker off the first team all Big Ten right now. The other the only question would be, you know, do you choose one of those two over Henderson? And I, I just don't think you can based on the statistics that Henderson has put up uh since he took that starting job. Mo Ibrahim out besides so besides those guys, like he'd have been the only other one, I think. Trying to think of my could totally well, his, be his backup somebody. pots, his backup pots at Minnesota. Um, I think he just ended up suffering an injury too. It's oh. a tough year for them, but he was he's actually third in the Big Ten in rushing yards. Oh, okay, okay, all right. But but I actually think to me, Walker and Henderson are first team. 
I really think Corm and Haskins could both be on be the, the second. second. Team, I agree. Let I agree. Two running backs get there. I agree. Yeah. They, and the fact that they're both on pace for a thousand yards suggests that if one of them had fewer carries, the other one would be on pace for 1500 yards. So I guess we'll see. Maybe, maybe the other guys get slowed down. Maybe, um, or maybe Michigan breaks off. But I think right now I would say no to, to Haskins and Corum. I'd say no to Ross. I, I kind of threw that name in there just to like add to the discussion. Hawkins. I think it's worth a, a look. I think he's worth a look. I mean, he hasn't allowed a reception this season, according to one site, at least PFF. Uh, but he has a bunch of past breakups, you know, and he's, he has that tackle for loss against Martinez. He has the strip fumble and the recovered fumble against Nebraska. Here we go again, Steve. We are once again calling Brad Hawkins the most underrated player on the team. Because I, I think, you know, if he, the fact that he's in this discussion among top five players on Michigan's team right now, top five or six players, he is not the five or six most talked about players. Not in the top ten. No. So – isn't I feel it like amazing? We've been calling isn't it, him underrated um, for like three years. I was going to say it's amazing <laughs> how like underrated guys always seem to find a way to maintain being underrated. You know, it's like because <laughs> he did, you know makes the biggest play of the game. I think he won co Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Um, you mentioned his coverage stats in the last episode. You know, just um, yeah, that's pretty fascinating actually. Because yeah, he's not among the most talked about players on the team for sure. Uh, he doesn't get talked about half as much as his counterpart at the safety position. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, and so interesting. I, but of the four guys, he's kind of the one. The more I think about, is be the guy I think would be closest to being in that conversation. Maybe again, maybe one of the running backs. But for for voters, I guess if you're looking at it from a voting standpoint, what? Uh, which one of those two do you guys do you choose? Probably, I think Corum would probably be the lean from a voter standpoint. But, you know, I can see the argument for both guys. But, yeah, having two running backs as both second team all Big Ten would be would be pretty crazy. But it's, it's conceivable right now uh, the way the season has played out. Yeah, I think the, the, the one thing that will be interesting is to see how much – because, you know, the all Big Ten teams, a lot of times I think they're decided by – old school stats and then like really big performances in big games. So like if you're a running back, you need, it's, it's often the guys with the most rushing yards, even if they're not on quite the same caliber team. And then also like if one of them goes off for 150 yards against a ranked team, then I think they would get the nod uh, over someone who, who maybe didn't have that. So um curious about the I think the most hotly contested um award might actually be Big Ten punter of the year just because there are uh four punters in the Big Ten in the top eight nationally in net punting yards you know Penn State's punter had an incredible game against Iowa I'm not even going to talk about Adam Corsett because I'm just going to get yelled at but but he leads the country in net punting still um Illinois I think it's Blake Hayes Blake something uh he's been really good as well and so that would be curious because Brad Robbins is playing like a top eight punter in the country right now 
but the season still has to progress. And I think there's four guys who legitimately could be second team, all big 10, but also second team, all American in the punting game. So we'll be very curious to see how that continues to progress. Uh, kicker. I do feel like Moody would be the, be the choice right now. So um, anyways, switching gears, there's no convenient segue. Michigan has six games left. They are, I think they will be favored in, well, they'll definitely be favored in three of them. I, I think Maryland, Indiana, Northwestern. We were talking before the show. I think we still want to see a little bit more of Indiana because their three losses have been to top 10 teams and their three, their two wins have been against Western Kentucky and someone really bad, maybe like Indiana State. Someone not good. So we think we still want to see more of like what Indiana looks like. We'll get another glimpse this weekend against Michigan State. Ironically, another top 10 team, though. But feels like Maryland and Northwestern should be wins for the Wolverines. What, what stands out to you about maybe the, the final, maybe, pick, maybe something in the final three big games at Michigan State, at Penn State, versus Ohio State? Michigan State, obviously better than we expected. That was my trap game. I don't think I can call it a trap game anymore. It's a top 10 road matchup. Um, Penn State, top 10 team. I I know I've heard you in the past say you're not 100% sold on them yet. Ohio State, I think there was a brief blip. Seems like they've, like Ohio State likes to do, uh, somehow overcome that. And once again, looks like the, the class of the Big Ten. But... What stands out to you about those three games? Is there anything that, that really catches your eye from what you've seen from those three teams so far? You know, what's ironic is Penn, I actually am buying more on Penn State in a losing effort than I okay. was beforehand. I, their defense is really good. They've, so they've done – they and Michigan State, similar in that they've hit, they hit some jackpots in the portal for sure. State with Kenneth Walker being the, the headliner there. I think they've had a couple other – I think Kovaris Crouch has actually been pretty solid for Michigan State so far this year. Um, but um, Penn State, the the Temple kid, I can't remember his name, Abeka Abeka Bite or something, uh, defensive lineman, Tangelo, the lineman from Duke. They've built some depth up front. Uh, and then you have Jaquan Briskers, a really good – he'll be in the conversation for all Big Ten safety. And then Brandon Smith has been uh, really, really good for them at the linebacker spot. I think w- the question now for them is the whole with Sean Clifford. I think that's what's going to make or break their season. Um, if he's out for a while, you know, I think they're going to have a difficult time against the Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan trio. Has there been any discussion no, on that? No update. I, I just, I actually just looked it up before I answered this question and no update. And it sounds like you know, not that it's this is abnormal, but Franklin doesn't sound like the type who's really going to give any significant updates. I thought it was odd that I watched that game. Uh, I saw the hit, thought maybe it was, could be a broken rib situation. It didn't look that bad on the surface, you know, um, but you never know with that kind of well, stuff. Well, the fact that he didn't go back in suggests to me that it's going to be at least a week. Right, but they also, right. They and Ohio State and Michigan – are all off this week and Penn state comes back with a home game against Illinois. Right. So plenty, so plenty of time, much like Michigan kind of. 
Yeah, kind of the same same deal. Yep, and they they play Ohio State on the thirtieth. So so really, October thirtieth might be the biggest day in the Big Ten. Yep. In a long time, there'll be two top ten matchups. It's probably going to define the meaning, the how much how meaningful the game will be this year in November. That the October thirtieth will say a lot about how meaningful that game is going to be. So yep. But Penn State, yeah, I'm buying them more. Definitely undersold them. I, I I say that. Still not think. Obviously, it turned out Wisconsin wasn't that great. I don't think Auburn is really all that amazing either. But their defense is going to be good enough to keep them. Like Penn State's defense and Ohio, versus Ohio State's offense is going to be a really interesting matchup to watch. That's going to be uh, good, a really good, entertaining matchup. Which is what I think about Ohio State right now is Stroud's again Maryland Rutgers. I don't know. I, I still. I don't even know if I said this on another episode. I, I said something about it somewhere. I still can't believe people were picking Maryland to beat Iowa a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Maryland could to me is always a total pretender, you know, never was buying that start at all. Uh, not surprised. They got smashed by both Iowa and Ohio state. That being said, Stroud looks much, much better than he did the first couple weeks of the season. And that, History says that means bad news for the rest of the Big Ten when Ohio right. State has a quarterback <laughs> who is playing at a high level because they have stars everywhere else. So their defense might not be as good as it's been in seasons past. There might be some holes to exploit there, but their offense might once again just be good enough to overcome those offensive deficiencies. So, uh, and then with Michigan State, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's. Like, if you're a Michigan fan trying to talk your way out of Michigan State being any good, I think you're really grasping at straws at this point. I mean, yes, they haven't really – I don't I don't even – their best win has to be Nebraska. Uh, Miami stinks. Uh, Northwestern's terrible. Rutgers – I feel like Mich- Rutgers is good. Their best football was against Michigan for whatever reason. But the thing is, they're beating these teams with ease outside of Nebraska. They have coasted in all of these games. Their offense looks totally for real. So they Michigan, Michigan State seem very similar to me in the in their makeup. And really, maybe the question marks, just because they've played a very I, th- I think Michigan's played a slightly tougher schedule, but not enough for me to sit here and say Michigan's like definitively that I would like definitively pick Michigan to win on the road right now. So I think we talked a little bit before we recorded. I, I think Michigan State's matchup against Indiana this weekend is going to be really interesting. Um, Indiana's three losses are to top 10 teams, all of which are, sorry, Penn State lost to Iowa, but the other two, Cincinnati, uh, Iowa undefeated. So yeah. Right at, at Penn State and at, at yeah, Iowa as well. Yeah, two tough places to win. So, you know, Indiana, while not really even impressive in their victories, might be better than what people are kind of seeing based on just who they've lost to. They've lost to they've potentially lost to two or three playoff teams in that mix. Yeah, that's that's very true. Right. You know, so I mean two of these those three teams could easily still make the playoffs. Penn State if Clifford's healthy, Iowa, Cincinnati. Uh, may not lose again until their conference championship games. So that'll be, you know, Michigan, Michigan state will be the most fascinating game 
if both teams get past their next test, Michigan State's test stiffer than Michigan's for sure. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, it, it's it's really – I still I, – I did that on the national pod uh, last week with uh, Trey Scott. I still said I think Ohio State – I would pick Ohio State to win the Big Ten. I'm, I'm, I mean, nothing's changed in the last four days to – kind of change that for me just because I just think their talent on offense will, will win out in the end and um, they'll get back to Indy. Yeah. I think, I think Ohio state is still the best team. I, I honestly, I thought they were even when they lost to Oregon, that felt, that felt more fluky to me. Um, not completely fluky. I mean, clearly they had, had stuff on the defensive side of the ball to fix, but I think Penn state, Michigan state, Michigan are all, all, very similarly flawed teams, not necessarily bad teams. I mean, they're all in the top 10 and they're combined 17 and one with one loss at Iowa with the starting quarterback injured. But I think they're all teams that you could probably circle a couple flaws where you're like, yep, they, they could lose because of this. They could lose because of that. And so, so to me, I think, you know, if we're thinking about what's a, what's a revised expectation for the rest of the way, I think both of us predicted eight and four, entering the season but I, th- I i think i'm ready to say 10 and 2 for the for the regular season i don't know what the bowl game will depend on the matchups and all that but um you know i think thinking about michigan michigan state they've played very similar schedules and they've been similarly controlling in those games where they just they had control the whole time yeah michigan state's trained Failed before, I guess, more often than Michigan, but but at the same time, has maybe had a little bit more of the big, big play pull away, whereas Michigan kind of has let a couple teams hang around a little longer than than expected. Penn State, they they're similarly actually just been controlling, but they've been tested a little bit more. They were a little bit more in the back and forth games against Wisconsin, Auburn. And Iowa, I believe all three of those games were decided by one possession. So, but, you know, they beat Wisconsin on the road before Wisconsin's flaws were known. They, they hung with Iowa. I'm with you. I think I came away, like, thinking Penn State was probably the better team. They just had really bad quarterback luck in that matchup. It's going to be very interesting, but I, I, think, I think it's fair for Michigan fans to expect a split in the road games at Michigan state and Penn state. I think personally, if I were predicting, I don't know which one I would predict Michigan. I'm almost inclined to think that maybe just Penn state. Cause they're they they'll be, they, they won't be coming off a of bye week. They'll be kind of in the, in the, they'll have already played Ohio state. Maybe there'll be some stuff on, on tape, you know, Michigan state. We'll see what happens this weekend at Indiana, but then they have a week to, regroup and and try to find a way to beat Michigan. So Penn state will have the better atmosphere, maybe a little bit more top tier talent on the team, but I think Michigan state is the more concerning matchup just because. Are we real quick? Sorry. Are we convinced though, this given the context potential context of this game, that Penn state is going to be a tougher atmosphere. I know Penn state year in and year out is a tougher atmosphere, but we're talking about, both these teams could be undefeated. I mean, this would be the biggest game between these two teams possibly ever, wouldn't it? I mean, have they? Yeah, it would be up there. Absolutely. Right? So, Absolutely. 
it, I, so it's two my really horrible Michigan. atmospheres to play in for Michigan. Like both of them are going to be awful. Oh yeah. So yeah, but I I think Michigan Michigan State. I guess if it's a night game, you have to say that's a tougher atmosphere, just because it, it seems like fans always bring it more in night games than they do in day games. But Michigan will have more fans in the stands at Michigan State, and the crowd will be smaller. And I'm not trying to like take shots at Michigan State fans, but like compared to Penn State, who I Careful. think has the, I think Penn State has the best atmosphere in the Big Ten. No, I don't. I don't think Michigan State has a top three or four atmosphere. I think it's, it, it can be good, but like I would, I would argue from everything I've seen, I would argue that Nebraska had, was a tougher atmosphere than Michigan State will be. I think that Michigan State's players will be better and they'll be more charged up and, it, and it, there will be a lot of um, you know, playoff atmosphere almost for people who've been to playoff NFL games. But I think Penn state probably is almost always going to be the tougher atmosphere. They, they just, their fans know how to do it. They, they know how to bring, bring the atmosphere at a level that, that beats other good atmospheres like Michigan, Michigan state, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska. I mean, Penn state's, to me, they're a head and shoulder above the rest of the Big Ten. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's very curious. Uh, Steve, let's let's do a couple quick predictions. You know, we don't have. To, I mean, we've talked about a lot of this already. But the position group you think will have the best second half of the season, maybe, maybe relative to what they've done so far. Is there is there a group that you think is still continuing to get better, still figuring it out, and and maybe? is in line to open a lot of eyes in the second half of the season. How about tight end? Okay. I like that one. They've had a, they've been more productive in the passing game lately. I think, I think, you know, one guy who quietly who haven't talked about at all has, has emerged. We mentioned him briefly last episode was us. Is schoonmakers become a real asset for them. Uh, I'd like to see them use him in the passing game a little bit. Yeah, what's that that delayed route that he ran? Yeah. That was big. He's got some he's got some wheels too, uh, for a kid his size. So, you know, we've always talked about Eric All being definitely the number one passing threat at the tight end spot. That's another thing, too, real quick. I don't know about you. I, I think they I think they need to utilize the tight end even a little bit more than they have mm-hmm. in the passing game. Uh we've we know, we've seen and and all Upper, most upper echelon teams have utilized the tight end very consistently. We've seen what you think you go back to think about how big of a safety valve, like Jake, Butt, you know, was during the 16 run, you know, as a guy that third and six, you can get him the football. I think both of these guys are athletic enough to get open on a consistent basis. So, you know, schoonmaker kind of a guy personally, I'll be keeping an eye on, but I, I would, I would go with tight end. Uh, I think that they've, Definitely made some strides in the blocking game uh, or the blocking aspect of the game. And I think both Schoonmaker and All can still be, you know, maybe more consistent threats in the passing game as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. I'm going to go with the linebackers. I think that's a group. We mentioned Colson and, and Hill Green as um, our freshman of the year on defense so far. That's usually a sign that, that the group is just going to continue to get better throughout the season. You know, Josh Ross, I, I think um, he kind of is what he is, but, but I think they have, you know, and Club Mullings quietly had a, had a pretty 
nice game against Rutgers, in my opinion, at least. Um, so I think that's a group that's going to continue to ascend. I think the one Michigan is really hoping ascends, Steve, is, is the receiver room. I think there is a little – I mean, I, I, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh seemed to insinuate that the bye week will – help Roman Wilson get back on the field sooner. But, you know, guys like him, A.J. Henning, Dalen Baldwin, Andrell Anthony, a lot, of, a lot of what they're doing, they're doing for the first time at Michigan. So, you know, I mean, Wilson and Henning played last season, but they're, they're being asked to play bigger roles this year. And so are, do they start to kind of get their feet under them a little bit and maybe be – better every down snaps. I, I don't think I'm ready to predict that, but I think that's some, that's something I think um, Michigan is really hoping for. And I think there's the potential there. I still think if there's one position group that has untapped potential this season, other than I suppose JJ McCarthy being elite the rest of the way or something like that, I think it's the receiver room. I think that's the group that, you know, ki- kind of like tight end, you're like, Hey, I think the talent exceeds the opportunity here. But that's that's obviously on paper talent. We'll have to see what they do in games. Is there a player, if you're calling your shot, that really makes an impact the second half of this season that maybe wasn't in our top five players this in the, in the first half of the season that really has, I guess, a breakout second half of the season. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but any, any players you're, you, you'd be willing to call your shot on? I th- his progression has been so – it's been up and down, but I, I, I'm buying on Baldwin still. Okay. I think – I believe he was the most targeted receiver on Saturday. I think that always says something, you know, about – whether it be chemistry between quarterback and receiver or guys getting guy getting himself open. He has, you know, he's had a couple drops. I think he had a couple routes that were maybe not run properly, but I think they, that McNamara specifically obviously feels very comfortable throwing him the ball. I think he's a guy we're going to continue to see get a little bit better as the season goes on. Uh, Not a top five player on the team and won't be, but I think, I think Michigan's going to continue to try to feed him the ball. And I think he, I think the second half of the year, I think we're going to see more from him in that, in that regard. I think he's going to play a little bit better. Yeah. That's not a, not a bad pick at all. My, my, um, the, the brain, the smart pick would probably be Christopher Hinton. I, I think he's continued to get incrementally better each week. And I, I think he's been in on enough plays that I think he's going to have a game where he like, really pops on the box score and also former top 50 recruit. Is he someone that can maybe give Michigan a lift against, you know, Michigan state or Penn state. But if I'm flying off the seat of my pants here and just, just calling my shot a little bit of a, of a shot in the dark, very intrigued by Mike Morris, very intrigued by AJ Henning feels like if they just give him the ball 10 times a game, he probably would be a national household name at this point. And then the other one I'm, I'm curious about, he hasn't had the best season, but Michigan continues to start him. And to me, that's a sign that he, that there's something brewing in practice 
even if it hasn't necessarily gone or translated into stuff on the field in games. But Jalen Harrell, I, I'm a little surprised that, that he's getting the snaps and the counts that, or not the snaps, the, count, the snap counts <laughs> that he's gotten. But usually, the, I mean, I think we're all, all under the impression that Michigan's defensive coaches have a very good grasp on who's good for them. So for them to start a redshirt freshman who really wasn't discussed a ton in the spring, started to generate a little buzz in the fall, but now he's starting a lot, makes me think that there's something there. There's something that we're not, we're not quite seeing in games. I think he's number 13 on the team in snaps. Although Junior Colson's actually ahead of him, so maybe he's a player to, to pencil in. But, um, yeah, I wonder if he can produce something at that, at that uh, um, edge position. Kind of a little bit different of an edge, probably more of a linebacker type edge defender than defensive end. So does that give Michigan a little bit of creativity, a little bit, a little bit of options? Yeah, there's a there's a few players that I I, I think could could pop, but um, obviously the smart pick to me is is Christopher Hinton. All right, Steve, your final oh, final your your updated predicted record for Michigan's final six games. I, I, I pretty much said I think they're going to go four and two. I think they do end up beating one of the teams, Michigan State or Penn State. Don't know which one yet. I think I want to see more from all three teams to, to find out that necessarily. You know, whether it's knowing players' health or kind of knowing a little bit more of what Michigan State can look like. But are you predicting four and two? Are you predicting three and three? What are what are you what are you looking at for the rest of this season? I'm gonna say four and two also. I'd say this though. So Penn State's offensive line has been so so. I don't know Michigan State's offensive line against the pass also so so, right? Um until Michigan meets Ohio State, I feel like their defensive line against whoever they're playing's offensive line might be the biggest mismatch in said game. Mm. You which might is, be right. Yeah, which is, that's which, right. Which is that's a bold statement, though. Which is going to give them huge opportunities to win both of those road games. You know, I think the Penn State game partially could come down to what the deal is with Clifford, honestly. Just veteran QB at home. I like I said earlier. There, I love Penn State's defense. I think they have star level players just about at every level. But you know, I it's just hard to see them. That's just such you know. This is the other thing we talk about going to the preseason, and no matter who they if if when Michigan loses, you know, fans are going to be pissed. Everyone's going to be angry. It's like this is a brutal freaking schedule. Like we said this before the season, and it's only gotten more difficult. Honestly, I think at Nebraska turned out to be a much tougher game in the context of it and just that Nebraska might be better than people realize than what we've put on paper to begin the season. Nobody was picking Michigan. Nobody, nobody would pick Michigan State to be potentially undefeated for that game. That game's always a handful to begin with, let alone that they're actually pretty good. 
So you add that to the mix. They don't get Purdue or Illinois or Minnesota. They don't get the very bottom runs of the conference at all. I think Rutgers would beat all three of those teams. So it's to go 10, if they were to go 10 and two or better on this schedule, that to me is, is incredibly impressive. Uh, I don't care what way you spin it. So I'm going to, I'm going to split it. I'm going to say 10 and two. I still can't pick Michigan to beat Ohio state. Although I think this is the most beatable that Ohio state's been in a while. They've have played really, really well against the last two weeks against Rutgers in Maryland, but I I still want to see what they do against a competent defense. And I guess you could have saved that Rutgers for uh, had a competent defense against Michigan and that they slaughtered them, but just in a big game, bigger game, you know, that, that game against Penn state will be really interesting. Like I said, you know, for the, just for the reason I think Penn state's defense has a decent chance to slow that, that offense down. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go 10 and two. I, I, they'll split those road games. And I, like I said, I still can't pick them to beat Ohio state as things stand right now. Yeah. I, so looking at the stats, I'm very tempted to go three and three. I, one thing that I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong about the defensive line, but in terms of PFF's rankings of pass blocking teams, uh, the worst three in the Big Ten this season are Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Nebraska. The best three this season, actually the best four this season are Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State. Apologies to Michigan State fans then. I was not aware of that. Well, I mean – some of this is still this, these are all going to be moving rankings, but that, that does make me give me a little bit of pause just because I don't think we've seen what Michigan's defensive line can do against a solid, consistent offensive line and in, in pass protection, this counterpoint. Season. So sure. Are they the worst teams because they played Michigan? Well, is that where you're going. That, I mean, what it did, Hutchinson had what 29 pressures? No, the team did. The or the team, team had 29 pressures on 29 pass plays. Yeah, that's gonna make Wisconsin's great. So that's work. a zero percent <laughs> technically. <laughs> like, um, and has Michigan State played a I don't can't speak like the other, like I was good. Maryland has played some good teams, so that's not a bad that's not a bad stat for them at this point of the year, I guess. But you know, has Michigan State played a defensive line that's even remotely in the in the same vicinity as Michigan's? Probably Nebraska, the closest one. Yeah, right? Nebraska's solid at the pass. Yeah, and, and there you go. I mean, Thorne had less than 200 yards passing. Walker only had 60 yards rushing. Um, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's right? Good I mean, point. they've, again, I'm not taking anything away from Michigan State. As I said, I think if you're trying to say Michigan State's not good, you're grasping at straws. But Nebraska's the one, I would say, competent defense that they've played so far this season and and really it was what was it 20 to 20 going into overtime uh, and Walker was really a non-factor in that game so you know that that just something to keep in mind because Michigan's defensive line I think is is got to be one of the top two or three right in the Big Ten for sure so yeah I think that's fair to say something to keep in mind yep no I I think that's true one other thing I'll add about Penn State maybe their beatability they have not been that strong of a team at rushing the football this year. You know, they don't have the consistent chain moving threat 
in the run game. And they don't have the, necessarily a big play threat either. You know, there's no um, Miles Sanders. There's no Saquon Barkley. It's, it, it has not been – I think Michigan can feel good about its ability to stop the run in that game and, and honestly almost should be daring Penn State to run the football um, and just really put a lot, of, a lot of focus on stopping the pass. So they've played some good teams. I guess we'll see what happens when they beat up against some of the other Big Ten teams. But kind of I, – I, I think Michigan's defense still has questions to answer. I kind of like their chances against one-dimensional offenses. So I guess we'll have to see. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, tough at, that, that's where the atmosphere, that whole thing comes into play, right? Yeah. If Michigan was playing this Penn State team at home, I would pick Michigan for sure. Um, that's just. Would you pick Michigan State with the game in Ann Arbor? I think, I, fit, see, I think I'd I, pick Michigan still. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's weird because of the the just the bizarro world that that rivalry has been the last yeah, five or six the road years. Team wins, yeah. You know, but I, I just, you know, the other thing with that game, I don't know if it'll get talked about at all or not. But like, you talk about a game that Michigan wants a little bit of revenge for. I mean that that game I think embarrassed that that defense. It ruined their whole season, right? You yeah. know, and I so I, I think. If the shoe was now the shoe, maybe a little bit in this situation on the other foot for Michigan, as far as just wanting some revenge and, and maybe having a little bit of a chip in their shoulder about the way that game played out last year and, and, and having something to prove against what they'll know is a much better offensive unit than what they lost to last season. So there's all that intangible stuff, but if they were both in Ann Arbor, I'd, pr- I'd probably be picking Michigan uh, just because they've, they've been so good at home for the most part under Harbaugh. I assume they'd be favored in both of those games uh, if they were at home. So, but yeah, that's where the, you know, being on the road is it's always such a different animal. Michigan's approach on the road this year has been awesome. Uh, I like the embracing the atmosphere I think has been, it's obviously paid off to some extent. Uh, and I think it's more than like a corny thing. I think I it too. actually really does make a big difference. I agree. I think it's, it's, it's just being comfortable in your where you're playing football, you know. It's well, a, and like it's just this is going to be a tangent. We've talked for a long time. Sorry if <laughs> this is too far. But the one thing I've heard from like former Michigan players under Jim Harbaugh is that they they almost wanted more of the like corny speeches, the like kind of corny things, like like when jump around comes on we're going to jump and all that stuff. And like, like it might, it, it is a little manufactured. I don't think they like organically were like, here you go. But I think what I'm picking up on when I see stuff like that, when I see, you know, kind of just how comically animated Michigan is on the side is I think Michigan is Michigan's coaches this year compared to past years, understand the value of like, look, these are 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, football players those it's not always going to be a business-like approach sometimes you do have to be the the James Franklin the PJ Fleck kind of the corny phrases the the hype up speeches things like that it 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 can make a difference it can help you build a little bit of that culture on the road because I think Michigan for a long time when it was at home and there was a crowd of a hundred thousand cheering for you and there's the band the banner all that stuff you naturally get hyped up. You naturally get 
kind of in the right mindset for the game. But the road games, I think sometimes they struggled to like build their own eagerness or their own excitement or their own, you know, proper mindset. And so I think it's a little manufactured, but I think that's necessary. I think it's a necessary move by Michigan to um, fire the guys up because I think, I think there's just something to be said for like, you have to create your own momentum. You have to create your own excitement in, in road games and some players naturally get it. Some teams naturally get it. Michigan has not been one of those teams under Jim Harbaugh. And I think this is going, you know, some of this stuff is a little bit more, the, the speeches might come off as maybe more high school than, than NFL, but that might be what this team benefits from. So, yeah, I think they've feel, I, I personally feel like Michigan is a better road team than they have been. Honestly, I'd almost venture to say every, every year under Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. We still have to see them against ranked teams on the road, I suppose. But even 2015 and 2016, they, they were a team that didn't travel especially well. In 2015, they kind of got lucky on the road a few times. Um, 2016, they didn't really play a tough road team until they were 10-0 and or 9-0. and So um, I'd venture to say this might be the best road team under Jim Harbaugh hard not to even though the two teams they've beaten so far aren't necessarily world beaters but right tough atmospheres and and obviously Wisconsin being a place they hadn't won in how long uh you know when that one specifically not only they win they 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 dominated they look very comfortable right Wisconsin (laughs) not the same Wisconsin as we've said but Penn State Notre Dame both I know Notre like that Notre Dame game was so weird. It went from being like thirteen to ten Wisconsin to forty one to thirteen yeah. Notre Dame in the blink of an eye. Technically, uh, Michigan Wisconsin was close at halftime. It was thirteen to ten, right? But it but, was one of those kind of. It was like how every game against Michigan or Michigan Wisconsin has been, where it's like all of a sudden it's just like it's a it's just not a game. You know, it's like those two teams continue. Yeah, someone gets worn out. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, every the, one of the, a lot of those games have been the same. So, yeah, no, uh, road approach has definitely been a big benefit. However, they're doing it, whatever they're whatever approach they're taking. You know, they've had guys making big plays in those in those road games, which again, something that we haven't really seen much of. So, could equip them for that final stretch against. You know, again, yeah, two, these two, Michigan can absolutely, they can beat anybody else left on the schedule, really. But, you know, it's just, it's not going to be easy. You know, it's, but the other thing is all these other teams, they all have to play each other too still. So it's not as if Michigan's going to walk into Ann Arbor against Ohio State like they've been through the gauntlet. Like Ohio State has those same plays, the other two teams before they play Michigan as well. And Penn State will have played Ohio State before Michigan plays Penn State. It's like it's going to be a really interesting. It's basically a round robin to determine the East, and it's going to be a yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fascinating, kind of to see who comes out on top. Yeah, I think I think you and I. It sounds like we're both in agreement. I think right now we take Michigan by a hair over those the two non-Ohio State teams in neutral site. Like who's the best team? But in terms of how it shakes out. I don't think we're predicting Michigan to necessarily go into the final 
or go into the Big Ten championship game. I guess would be something that we're that's not something we're predicting. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Thank you to everyone who has been listening and reading and subscribing to all of our content over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan247sports.com. We've had a fun first half of the season. Second half of the season going to be plenty interesting. So we hope you stick with us for the rest of the way. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.